Good morning, good morning, good morning, Cable Smith. Welcoming each and every one of you into episode 620 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. A little uh, Sun Bolt, the picture, kicking things off for us today. Love that tune. Um, man, I've got a lot to get into today. Uh, but, you know, that, that law that exists between deer season and turkey season it's gone turkey season is here i'm pumped and uh i hope you guys are as well <laughs> little box call uh what's your favorite you like a box call a slate or a diaphragm uh, i typically have all three handy uh, there's nothing better than being hands-free with a diaphragm i think the best quality sound comes from the slate but you can hammer away the loudest uh, with the box call. So they all have their time and place in the turkey woods. Uh, hope that you have plans to get out this spring. It's um, man, it's tough to beat calling in those long beards. Mm, gets me excited just thinking about it. And I will be out there. Uh, I'm headed to the Uteria Ranch. Um, Mossberg Firearms are coming down. And we're going to rendezvous down in the valley um, on the Uteria Ranch, which actually shares a fence line with the King Ranch. Um, one of the largest family-owned, well, it's still in the Uteria family, uh, but I think the uh, portion we're going to be on is like 12,000 acres and uh, lots of turkeys. This will be my third, fourth year in a row uh, hunting the Uteria. Um, beautiful country. And one one cool thing about the Uteria is they actually have an ocelot sanctuary inside the ranch where they do not stay step foot they also don't shoot bobcats on that ranch because they don't want them to uh, be mistaken for the uh that remnant ocelot population that still exists in that part of uh, south texas Uh, but yeah it's going to be a good time hope you guys like i said have big plans to to get into the turkey woods this spring um what are we doing today let me tell you all about it go ahead pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that Black Rifle coffee out of Granddaddy's beat-up Stanley Thermos because we're ready to rock and roll it off the top. We'll be joined by Colonel Sean Daniel, uh, founder of Darby's Warrior Support. And, you know, there's tons of outfits out there, nonprofits, that that give back to our veterans, and for good reason. Um, Darby's is unique for a couple reasons. And... Um, you know, you talk about these brave men and women who come back, and some of them bear the physical scars of, of seeing combat. Uh, some find themselves in a very dark place, and uh, Colonel Daniel is one of those people. And so, you know, he understands why uh, an organization like Darby's is so important for that healing process. We're going to talk a lot about that and, and what they're doing specifically for our uh, special ops veterans out there. So looking forward to visiting with Colonel Daniel and um, 
it's going to be a real conversation. I guarantee you that. Might even get a little dark at times, but that is the reality uh, that these men and women face. Then we will switch gears and uh, going back to springtime and the turkey woods. The thing that I hate the most, damn ticks, man. Well, got to be looking for rattlesnakes too, but the ticks are relentless. And uh, we'll have the tick terminator, Brian Anderson, joining the show at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we're going to talk all things ticks, what to do once they're on you, uh, what if a bite looks infected, um, how, to re- how to keep them off of you. What about uh, permethrin? Um, and then stuff that I don't know anything about, the life cycle and biology of ticks. Um, I think you guys might find some of that stuff interesting, different types of ticks. What do we have in Texas versus what uh, I think he, Brian's joining us from like Michigan or something versus um, what kind of ticks they have up there. Do we have the same kinds of ticks? Uh, all that interesting stuff coming up at the uh, at the bottom of the hour with the tick terminator. That's what's on the docket for today. I'm certainly looking forward to it. No doubt about that. Um, let's do a quick giveaway here and we'll continue with the turkey theme. How about a sling blade wooden box call from HS Strut? It's what I'll be running around the turkey woods with, and uh, I'd love for one of you guys to have one as well. Um, just email the word gobbler, that's gobbler, to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com, and you are entered into the uh, sling blade box call giveaway. Let's take that break. Up next, Colonel. Sean Daniel of Darby's Warriors joins us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However... There's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. For us to take the higher ground. And defend it with our lives And I feared we'd pay a price And my boys, they fell right in They trusted me again Lions of Kandahar, little Mickey and the Motor Cars bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you as always. Thank you so much for dropping by. Um, you guys know that I did not serve in the military, but through this show, I feel like as often as I have the opportunity, um, it's my duty to bring exposure 
to those organizations out there who are giving back to those who, who have served. And I'm proud of the, the heritage that my grandfathers left, the legacy they left uh, as they both served in World War II, um, the greatest generation. Uh, but there's still so many great Americans that are serving this country, and uh, I don't think they oftentimes get the credit they deserve for not only laying their life on the line, uh, but what about the the sacrifice and the toll that it takes on their mental health? And then, and I think the the thing that is so often just an afterthought is what about their families that they leave behind when they go serve overseas for months on end? So anyway, today I'm excited to be able to shine some light on Darby's warrior support. And uh, we're going to find out who they are and what they do momentarily. But first, this segment is brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the MC2SC 9mm Pistola. Uh, It's what I basically have on me at all times. Great concealed carry piece. Uh, Compatible with... um, Glock magazines for the most part. So cool feature there. Uh, You can find the uh, MC2SC at Mossberg.com. All right. Well, let's bring him on right now. The uh, co-founder of Darby's Warrior Support, retired Army colonel, former battalion commander in the 4th Brigade, 25th Infantry Division, uh, multiple tours in the 75th Ranger Regiment, U.S. Special Operations Command, and um, he served for 26-plus years, five of those being in combat. It is my pleasure to welcome Colonel Sean Daniel to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Gabe. We really, really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about what we're doing. Absolutely. My pleasure. So, uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, you know, talk about your service and also your background as an outdoorsman. Yeah. So, uh, I, I say that I'm from Arkansas. Um, I moved here in eighth grade and I, I mean, I, I moved around a good bit prior to that. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I claim Arkansas is home. So moved here in eighth grade, graduated from local Catholic high school, um, joined the army and headed off to pursue a, uh, a diploma from West Point. I uh, actually went to the West Point prep school. Um, my stay there got cut short. Uh, got in a little bit of trouble, got thrown out, uh, went back in the Army for a little while, went to college, reapplied to West Point, got in, finally graduated in 93. Uh, oh, I love a good, I love a redemption story. Yeah, well, it's, uh, we, we could probably do a whole podcast on <laughs> that process and everything I learned. Uh, but but I wouldn't trade those those learning experiences for anything. And I would argue they made me who I am today. Uh-huh. Um, so I, 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 you know, I spent about 30 years wearing the uniform in some form or fashion. Uh, finally retired in 2017, retired out of U.S. Special Operations Command Headquarters in Tampa, Florida, uh, as a colonel in the infantry. Okay. Um, retired, came back to Little Rock, worked in corporate America. Just couldn't find fulfillment 
in uh, in that. And we had been running this mission with Darby's Warrior Support uh, since about 2007, you know, in, in, at a small scale, and it was gradually picking up uh, momentum along the way. And so I just decided to retire from corporate America and pursue this full time. And it's the best decision that I've made short of joining the army in the mid eighties. So I'm, I'm looking at y'all's website. And so essentially you and then command Sergeant uh, major Dennis Smith are, you're the president and vice president running this thing. Essentially. I don't see anything about Darby. So who is Darby? Where does that come into play? So let me, let me, uh, let me back up a little bit and, uh, and put this in context. So I got assigned to third Ranger battalion in, in December of 99. And I grew up in Arkansas duck hunting. Uh, it was, it was my passion. Uh, love to fish and hunt other things too, but duck hunting was really it. So when you I got guys to Georgia, have, you know, historically it's like the greenhead Mecca, uh, Stuttgart and yes. the Ar- Arkansas timber. That's like the waterfowler's dream right there. It is. It is. Everybody comes to Arkansas to shoot greenheads in flooded timber. Um, and once you experience it, you, you really know why. Mm-hmm. But but in Georgia, we didn't have any wood ducks or we didn't have any any greenheads. All we had were wood ducks on little beaver ponds. And and so I convinced a few buddies um, in, in third battalion to, to go chase them with me in the mornings. And we go out and, and the big joke was how hard are you willing to work for three wood ducks? Uh, and, and we'd work pretty hard. And the beauty of it was for me personally, I, I could be out and back before my kids were rolling out of bed. Yeah. Um, so you weren't burning that kitchen pass with mama and, and cause you were burning a lot of them doing what we were doing at work. So I got these guys hooked on it. And for a couple of years, I just said, Hey man, we gotta, we gotta go to Arkansas where they do this right. And, uh, and finally, you know, convinced them to come in January of 2002. Well, um, obviously the events of, of 9-11 changed everybody's life in, in the military and we were no exception. We deployed immediately, uh, actually deployed on my fourth wedding anniversary and on the 19th of October, uh, 198 of my closest friends and I opened the doors on a few aircraft and parachuted into Southern Afghanistan to start the war in the South. Uh, so we came back from that deployment, December, late December, early January. Uh, I said, Hey, we got a four day weekend coming up. Let's, let's pack it up and go to Arkansas. So we did, we drove all night, hunted four days, drove all night back, exhausted, uh, had killed 17 ducks. These guys were like, that was the greatest thing ever. And I was <laughs> thinking to myself, that is absolutely terrible. Yeah. Uh, duck harvest numbers for a four day weekend. So we got to go back next year. And, uh, we went back the next year and the next and the next. And, uh, a lot of us got reassigned to other units and had deployed multiple times with other units. And so as, as we came back, I realized as our numbers, our duck harvest numbers can improve considerably. I realized after looking around uh, at the five of us that this was about a lot more than how many ducks can we kill in a weekend. Uh-huh. And um, there was just a lot of healing going on. The cumulative effects of multiple combat deployments, uh, the effects on your family, the effects on you physically, emotionally, everything um we just realized that there was something special there so we started searching for a name uh we we found a name it was operation wounded warrior support we ended up having to change that i I won't go into why 
Um, but we changed it and we, and we really wanted to stick to our roots. And William O. Darby is considered the founder of the modern day Ranger. And, uh, and we all came from the Ranger Regiment. And William O. Darby is also a native of Fort Smith, Arkansas. So he reached out to the family and said, hey, can we, can we name an organization that's going to dedicate its, its mission to serving special operations soldiers? Can we name it in honor of, of General Darby? And uh, they were absolutely amenable to that. And uh, thus the term Darby's Warrior Support. Do you think General Darby shot some ducks? I don't know if he did or not, but uh, he shot plenty of other things in his lifetime, and, <laughs> and we'll tip our hat to that, too. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so that's the backstory um, from the early days, the, the early 2000s, heading to Arkansas, driving all night. Uh, I remember I, don't, I never drove all night to, to, to go duck hunting, but I certainly drove an hour or two and then spent the night on the spot that I was going to duck hunt. So it was like the same effect, no sleep. <laughs> You know, drinking, drinking some beers and you wake up after an hour or two all red eyed and, you know, the, then you shoot some ducks and you forget about being so tired and you do it again the next day. You, you do. <laughs> and, and my son loves to do that 4 a.m. boat race uh, at 53. I'm, I'm still willing to draw, drive all night to duck hunt, but I, I'm not willing to sit at the boat ramp all night and yeah. do a 45 mile an hour boat race in the dark. Yeah. 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 Uh, we called it the we we did we called a lot of our walk-in spots just death marches because you know it's like uh 15 degrees and you're freezing so you've got all this clothes on and then you're walking a mile carrying all your decoys you know gear stools everything and then you're shedding clothes the whole way that you're going and you get there and you're free you're, you're sweating and then oh it's just uh yeah it's it's um it's miserable, but it's what we love for it, some reason. You got to be a little sick to be a duck hunter. You, you do. You like do. I gotta love misery. So, but, but when you, when you sit in that duck blind with uh, four or five men that you shared some really hard days with overseas mm -hmm. um, and watch that sunrise and watch those, those ducks fly, uh, whatever work you had to put into it is, uh, is worth it. And, and it's a lot more, you're taking away a lot more than, uh, empty shotgun shells and a strap full of ducks mm -hmm. yeah. because uh, those those moments are priceless so to you know from the early days to today um what are you guys actively doing has it changed at all is it is it still duck hunting or do you do you do other things and and talk about that process of you know how do you find the guy it's because it's not just your buddies that when you started out the, right. the four or five of you guys in the duck blind together um it's got a much broader scope now so talk about where we are here in 2022 so we we have we have grown a lot and i'll say that up front um and expanded our our menu considerably um the we when we first started we said hey let's serve the purple heart recipients the guys that have have gone to combat and been wounded in the process. Uh, and so that, that was great. And we were doing, I don't know, 50 to 75, hosting 50 to 75 a year. Uh, and most of it was happening out of my, my dad's house in Bull Knob. I mean, he's got a house in a, in a nice neighborhood, four bedroom. We bring in four guys at a time. Um, I was still on active duty. So my parents were really doing all the heavy lifting. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I was just kind of orchestrating, uh, arranging, coordinating for the groups and, and other things that I could do geographically separated. Uh, so 2013, 2014, I, I had an opportunity to go to Boston for a year and study. Now, you weren't making your dad guide the duck hunts, were you? No, 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 <laughs> no. He, uh, he can do a lot of things. Uh, guide a duck hunt is, is probably not one of them, uh, or bullet duck call. Uh, but he's great at taking pictures. And if, if you look at our website, all those pictures, um, are, are my dad's work and he's, okay. he's produced some pretty amazing products, but um that 2014 2013 14 i went to boston and and really got in a dark place personally um and and had to have both knees replaced and a few other procedures done while i was there but it for me it was a it was a realization and acknowledgement that uh multiple combat deployments um i mean i did eight in my career I did four years in Afghanistan and a year in Iraq. And I mean, there's, there's just a thousand paper cuts to the soul is way one of my buddies describes it. Uh, what you, what you've done to yourself physically, what you've done to yourself emotionally, uh, what you, what you've done to your family, what you've asked of your family, what you've drug your kids through, um, and how many buddies you've lost in the process, the things mm-hmm. you you've seen, the things you've done. And then, you know, I mean, I grew up as a preacher's kid. Uh, I grew up going to Sunday school every Sunday. Uh, and, but you try to reconcile the things you've done overseas with what you learned in Sunday school. And it, it, it doesn't line up real well. Right. Yeah, and so I got in a really dark spot, and uh, and and got some professional help, and and really left Boston after a year in a much 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 better place. But for me, it was it was a realization that they there's a whole population of veterans out there, specifically from the special operations community, who have never received a Purple Heart for the for wounds sustained in combat, but they're going to have to go through the same process that I went through at some point and reconcile with their demons. And then, uh, do you think that the ones that don't reconcile, I mean, is that why we have such a high suicide rate amongst our veterans? I, I think there's, I'm, I mean, I'm no expert, but I think there are a lot of things that contribute to it. I think that's yeah. one of them. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's one of them. And I can, you know, I jump forward a little bit. I've done a lot of hard things in my life, spending you know, spending three decades in the, in the military and, and deploying and training and doing all the stuff that we did. Uh, I would tell you the hardest thing I've ever done is transition out. Um, and I, I used to tell my boss this frequently, you go from playing NFL football, the ultimate team sport to playing PGA golf. Uh, when you transition out, it's, it's no longer us. We our uh, mentality you know, for the most part, based on my experience and, and, uh, it's now an, I mean, mine world and it just, it doesn't compute. It's hard to, to just scratch out a spot when the, when the rules change so drastically. Yeah. And between the wrestling of demons, the battle to transition, um, the choices that people make to, to, help them cope with both of those. I think all that in, in a, 
mixed together in a big bowl is helping us is not helping us with our suicide numbers. Uh Uh And I can only imagine, you know, I can't relate to the the things that any of you guys have done overseas. Um, But all I can say is thank you for your your service. And um, yeah, I, I hope that the ones that, or even if it's just a friend of a, a, a veteran, maybe they're listening to this and, and finding, Hey, there's hope here for my buddy who's in a dark place, you know? Uh, I think that's important. And and I, and I and I don't know if the army is the one that facilitated the help for you. I hope that they that they offer that. Um, it, it was actually a uh, a mentor I use okay. the term loosely who said, "Hey man, you got to uh you got to go get a tune up while you're here. While you're away from the grind of training and deployments, you got to just go get a tune up." The, mm-hmm. the things you've done, the place you've been, the things you've seen, it can't do anything but help. And initially I was just like, I, I got this. I, I, I got this. I'm fine. I don't need it. Uh, and then and maybe four weeks later, I, I, uh, I started a, a downward spiral that, mm-hmm. that had me at, at, the, at the very bottom. And I'm like, all right, maybe I'll just go try this. And I tried it and, and um, it's actually called Operation Home Base. It's sponsored by Mass General Hospital. They have a phenomenal program up there and, and a bunch of very talented providers mm-hmm. who spent a year with me doing a lot of hard work. And, and I, I, I attribute that work to having saved my life. Well, Colonel, um, I have to say in, in nearly 15 years of doing this show, this is one of the more, oh, certainly one of the deepest conversations that we've had. So thank you for opening up on this topic and your struggles. Um, I know other veterans certainly are struggling with the same thing or something similar. And, uh, and I want to continue the conversation on how you guys are helping them after the break. That segment brought to you by Stealth Cam and the DS4K Ultra. Hands down, the highest quality video that you're going to find in a trail camera. You can find it along with Stealth Cam's entire lineup at stealthcam.com. We'll be right back with more from Colonel Sean Daniel and Darby's Warrior Support on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. I felt the lights on the big, big stages A fire burning in my soul I had those nights where my guitar was raging It's not something you control, little darling Hey guys, Cable here, and last year was a wild year for censorship. It's only continuing in 2022 uh, for us hunters and anglers. So I've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women, by hunters and anglers just like you. It's a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Imagine that. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so many more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started, and I'll see you over there. 
Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turduckin rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisspecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. Flashback to Fallujah, lost another best friend. Three tours of duty and you're wondering when it's all gonna end. Bodies broken and bone shattered, blood and dust in your mouth. Getting weary but you're running with the few and the proud. Sometimes you wonder why you went, you never wonder what you stayed on for. You've been home for a couple of years now, buddy, but you're still Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Little Slade Cleves still fighting the war there. Um, we've got Colonel Sean Daniel of Darby's Warrior Support still here with us, and uh, we'll get back into how they're using hunting to heal uh, because a lot of the wounds suffered in combat are not visible, um, and we'll we'll get back into that momentarily. This segment brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. Um, SCI puts their money where their mouth is time and time again. They do it both in North America and abroad. So whether it's uh, mule deer in Idaho or lions in Tanzania, uh, SCI has a vested interest, and they monitor very closely the uh, anti-hunting legislation that the left keeps bringing to the table. Uh, so I'd like to invite you to become a member. I'm a proud member. I think for 65 bucks you can join for the year, and uh, you can do so at safariclub.org. All right. Well, picking it back up here with Colonel uh, Sean Daniel, who was nice enough to stick around. You know, before the break, he had talked about spending a year in Boston and having both knees replaced, but that seemed like that was the least of uh, what you were dealing with mentally and emotionally. And uh, I think that led to your realization that Darby's Warrior Support truly is an invaluable service uh, for, for our special ops who have seen combat. There, there are a lot of visible and invisible wounds uh, that are suffered in combat, and we, we maybe need to open our aperture and just serve uh, the guys and gals that are doing a lot of heavy lifting in support of this. We all came from the special operations community. So let's just focus our efforts there. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where we focus. And I mean, we're looking, we're looking to serve, you know, the guys that have two, three, four, a buddy of mine is probably over 20 combat deployments now. Wow. Um, and you know, those are the people that we're focused on. And those are the people that are still running hard and probably saying, you know, I'm good. I've got this. 20 deployments. The guy must be a cyborg at this point. Like, how do you, does he have any uh, emotions left? I don't know. It seems. I, I, I don't, I don't know. He is, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal man, phenomenal father. Uh, you know, the consummate warrior, 
and, and actually getting ready to retire. So, huh. but, but I would guess that he's, he's well up over, you know, eight, maybe nine years deployed uh, now in our nation's longest war. He actually jumped in with me on the 19th of October, 2001. And, and he just hadn't stopped. Hmm. So hmm. it's, I, I tip my hat to him and, and all those like him. And then, you know, the second part of your question is who, who do we, who do we bring in? It sounds uh, like he needs to go duck hunting with you. I actually brought him, I brought him down for a deer hunt uh, oh, a couple nice. of years ago and he brought his son uh, and it was actually a duck deer combo. And his son is hands down the best youth duck hunter I, I've ever, I've ever watched. Uh, anything that came within 40 yards, his son put it on the water. Uh, and then a nice, a nice deer walked out for his son and, and dad. And they, they both harvested a nice deer that weekend. Awesome. So, you know, we, we are doing deer hunts. We do goose, uh, exclusively goose hunts. Uh, an early one at the end of October, first part of November, they own, they open speckle belly season, uh, a little bit early for everybody to kind of warm up with. Uh, and then we do a bunch of deer hunts. Uh, we really run hard during duck season. I mean, it's every weekend of the season we're bringing in four to eight folks to, uh, to hunt. And then we do a conservation goose hunt in February where you get to take the plugs out and just, just, Oh yeah pound on them for uh for for as long as you want or until the animal supply runs out yeah and then uh, in the spring we do some turkey hunting uh and and uh we're expanding the menu this year to include trout fishing because as you know arkansas has some phenomenal trout fishing my dad fishes a tournament on the white river every year does he really yeah yeah that's awesome Loves it. yeah yeah and then 20 buddies they they do an annual uh an annual trout tournament there and whoever catches the big brown usually wins <laughs> yeah you just got to have the patience to to find that big brown yeah um but yeah we're, we're looking looking forward to expanding the menu uh we actually do have a hog hunt that we're participating in in late march down in texas um so that'll that'll be fun everybody likes shooting shooting hogs oh yeah um, especially from a helicopter yeah so the best of both worlds there and uh and then we'll we'll work to to develop and prepare our land for for next hunting season and and do it all over again well so how can any of our listeners help support you guys because that's the bottom line like obviously we appreciate your service uh more than you know and and the 198 of you guys that dropped in uh to afghanistan that day um appreciate every one of you immensely uh, all of our servicemen and women but ultimately we want to help heal people as well um and i and this is just a vessel for you to get your message out so how can we help you sure well i, I mean I, I i think the number one way to help is help us connect is help connect us to the right people that we need to we need to provide this opportunity so if cable goes on the on our website, www.darbyswarriorsupport.org and, and reaches out to me and says, Hey, I'd really like to get on a hunt. I say, okay, that's super. I, I need you to find three of the three of your buddies that you served with, that you shared some hard days with and, and come hunt with us. Um, that keeps me 
organizationally that keeps me from having to, you know, put groups of four together, guys that don't know each other. Mm-hmm. And, and then if one falls out and I got to find a replacement and, and juggling all that, but the, but the power of the experience really is, is cable and his, his three buddies um, who haven't seen each other. Cause they, they either got out of the army or they, you know, got hurt and got medically retired or any number of things. Right. And are reassigned across the world. So all you guys reassemble here in Arkansas and just spend a weekend catching up and, mm-hmm. and decompressing. So number one, I would say if there's how people can help, number one, I, I would say help us stay connected to the right people um, and the people that need it and the people that could benefit most from it. Um, that's number one. I mean, number two, we're, we're, uh, we're fundraising year round. We need, we need cash donations. Um, we need in-kind donations. Um, and, and if folks actually want to host a group of these guys at their facility somewhere, then we're, we're open to that as well. So it's just about how, how do we keep this going? How do we serve more? How do we maintain the quality of the experience? Um, and, and how do we contribute any way we can to reducing the suicide numbers? Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, that that's what I think we have to stop. A, a friend of mine, June the 15th, uh, full colonel on active duty at Fort Leavenworth, uh, took his own life in his office. And it, everybody that commits suicide, you're just like, that's the last person I thought would ever do it. And, and this guy was no exception. I mean, just a, just a rock star in every sense of the word, married three beautiful girls, um, getting ready to retire, had retirement. I mean, had it all, had it all. And we, we somehow or another have to stop that. And that's, that's what we're, we're focused on. Um, I, I think that, and I've, I've um, interviewed quite a few organizations, similar organizations, but I don't think any of them really focused on having you and the guys that you served with come as one group. You know, I think that's important because that's, uh, I can only imagine because again, I haven't done that. um, But I can imagine that only helps with the healing process because those are your boys. Those are the ones that you were, in this with absolutely and and you know we we stay based on our own personal networks right we stay connected with all the special operations units that are out there the ones at bragg the ones in benning the ones in florida uh colorado west coast seals some of the ranger regiments up in fort lewis washington and and when i reach out to these folks i always tell them okay this isn't you know hey sergeant major don't send an email out. Give me one guy from Alpha, one Bravo, one Charlie, one Delta Company guy to come to come on an Arkansas duck hunt. That's that's not what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for for one guy or a team, a small team, or or one guy or one gal that that like I said have just shared some hard days together uh, and want to come watch the sunrise. Mm-hmm. And and people say why duck hunting? Why deer hunting, why fishing, why this, why that. Um, again, I say, if, if you haven't sat in a duck blind and watched the sunrise, 
with three of your closest friends, then um, I, I can't help you answering that question. You Some days that's all it is, is watching the sunrise, you know? Uh, <laughs> sometimes the ducks don't cooperate. <laughs> but you know what? At least you had conversations and you had that sunrise and you had those moments with your buddies. And uh, and when you when you leave, everyone's like, ah, that sucks. The, the ducks didn't cooperate. But you know what? I wouldn't have traded it. Right. Right. So, so I had a, a, uh, a very successful businessman from Dallas. His, his nephew and his three closest buddies came and hunted with us. And so this guy decided to, to pile in with us that weekend, which I thought was awesome. And, uh, and they were, we didn't have a great duck hunt that morning. It was really cold, lots of ice. And, you know, you know how that affects the ducks and places that you can hunt, but we came back that afternoon and the boys were just sitting there in the living room on the couch, watching football, staring at their phones. Uh, and Jerry and I were sitting out on the front porch, just in the sun, soaking up a few warm rays for the afternoon. And, and Jerry comes out and says, Sean, they're, they're just laying on the couch, just sprawled out, you know, and they're not saying anything. And I'm like, well, yeah, Jerry, they, I, I got it. They don't need to say anything. Uh, two of them had gotten out of the army. One was on his way out of the army and, and another one had reassigned to Bragg. And he goes, but Sean, I mean, the duck hunt went great this morning and now they're just laying around on the couch. I'm like, yeah, Jerry, that's, that's all they need to do. They just want to be in each other's company. They don't have to say anything. They don't have to, they're not like my wife. They don't, they don't have to keep talking. Uh, <laughs> silence is okay. We have the same wife. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's magic. And, and Jerry sat there, you know, with his eyes welling up with tears and just like, this is, this is amazing. And I'm like, this, this is the magic. This is the magic of these weekends. And, uh, and you see it time and time and time again, but you're absolutely right. It needs to be three or four close friends, um, some in, some out, some retired, some doing other things, but just come get back together a long, long, long way away from the flagpole. And let's watch the sunrise. And let's watch some ducks fly. And uh, let's watch some deer move around the food plot or whatever. Yeah. And laugh and eat and watch TV and talk trash. <laughs> Awesome. Well, so give us the, uh, give us the website one more time, Colonel. It's uh, www.darbyswarriorsupport.org. Um, and, and again, how you help you connect us to, to those that need it. Yeah. Cash donations, um, in kind donations, hosting a group at your, at your property. Cause I'll tell you the people that agree to host, uh, their, their lives are changed, getting an opportunity to see the quality of men and women that are wearing our uniform and, and fighting our nation's wars. Uh, and, and we'll serve more right now. We're, we're on track to, to, to bust through 175 this year. So we're serving big numbers and I'd like to grow that to, to three or 400. We've got some, uh, some construction efforts, some fundraising efforts that are underway to, to build us our own lodge. So we have our own place and, and it'll be open 365 for anybody that wants to come awesome. hang out with some barrel chested freedom fighters. <laughs> well, we appreciate 
your service and sacrifice and uh goes without saying we appreciate what you're doing um with uh with this effort as well and uh do you guys have social media oh yes we do we're uh we're on instagram twitter facebook okay. man you scroll through that you can see some 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 happy folks standing in front of a pile of ducks or uh over a nice deer or geese or whatever we we've got it all all the pictures are in there um please follow us on social media and and comment and share and again help us connect to the right people and hmm. and and fundraise because we got to raise money to keep this drive alive yes sir yes sir well we appreciate your time today uh thank you so much colonel and if there's anything else that i can do you know uh don't be afraid to reach out so big fan sure. of what you guys are doing really appreciate you having us on cable and uh just an opportunity to tell the story one more time. So thank you. Absolutely. God bless. You too, brother. Thanks. So there he goes. U.S. Army retired Colonel Sean Daniel of Darby's Warrior Support. Man, they are doing the Lord's work. No doubt about that. Uh, that segment brought to you by NUMA Outdoors. Gear made for hunters by hunters. Uh, it's what I've been wearing for Gosh, uh, this summer will be a year. So um, this will be my first turkey season wearing NUMA. And you can find me in the brush guard pants that are specifically designed to keep all of those pokey, scratchy things off of the front of your legs. They've got reinforced paneling there. And here's the really cool thing about NUMA. Guaranteed for life. I, I don't know how you guarantee something like my hunting apparel is going to go through hell. Uh Guaranteeing it seems like a really dumb idea, but that's what they do because they stand by in their product. So if you ever have an issue, anything at all, uh, they'll send you a brand new one. And don't forget, you'll save 20% off your entire NUMA order. That's all apparel, gear, backpacks, whatever. Uh, but 20% off when you use my promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. Okay, up next, um, turkey season is here. And that means those little blood-sucking bastards are out in full force. I'm talking about ticks. And we've got the tick terminator, Brian Anderson, set to join us right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Those two young Marines over there fighting for their country. Man, they're going to be friends forever. Well, they both come back eventually, but as bombs and destiny would have it, they don't come back together. Yeah, the one who left to tell about why he can't even talk about it Keeps fighting that fight up there in his head And the day goes by, he don't wonder why Why it wasn't me instead It could have been me instead Oh, that's a man Lock in load in the shooting village at the Ducks Unlimited Expo D-U-X Presented by Purina Pro Plan at Texas Motor Speedway, April 8th through 10th. 300-yard rifle range, trick shooting demos, live fire rifle and pistol range, ammo and firearm sales, seminars, and raffles. DUX, presented by Purina Pro Plan at Texas Motor Speedway, April 8th through 10th. Tickets are only $10. Kids under 12, active or retired military, and first responders get in free. Buy your tickets today at duckexpo.com. 
Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also dual caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit tacticalskeleton.com today. Hey, hey, y'all, this is Roger Crager, and if I'm not out fishing or trying to take over the world, I'm listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. But I'm older now, and I've learned to hold my tongue. You can't speak the truth even when it's right in front of you. But you gotta be careful who you might offend. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for being here today as uh, we're about to talk ticks. What makes the tick tick? Uh, lame, I know. Uh, but Brian Anderson, the tick terminator, is set to join us. And um, obviously we don't want ticks on our bodies. I, I feel like once you find the first tick on you, me anyway, then it feels like there's always ticks crawling on me, and I hate that feeling. Um, but yeah, the, the turkey woods, I think, is where I pick up the most ticks and where the mandatory, you know, once you're back at deer camp, tick check is uh, is going to take place. And I've pulled them out of my kids' ears, their armpits. I've pulled them off my own body parts that we can't mention. And uh, every time, I hate it, <laughs> as do you. Uh, so... Uh, we'll get into all things ticks here with Brian momentarily. This segment brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my taxidermy needs for over a decade. You've probably seen pictures of my trophy room. It's immaculate. Their work is impeccable. They do it relatively quickly, you know, as far as taxidermy is concerned. And they answer the phone when you call. You can find them at gr8mounts.com. All right. Uh, well, let's bring him on right now. Joining us from somewhere up in, I think, the Midwest, it's my pleasure to welcome Brian Anderson to the show. Great to be here, Cable. It is my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, so, first of all, how does a guy go about getting the, the nickname the Tick Terminator? <laughs> you got to be a little crazy, a little half-weird, you got to have a strange fascination with ticks pretty much for your life uh -huh. and then just start doing hundreds of hours worth of weird research on them, you know, like about almost 10 years ago and uh, kind of end up with this because it's, it's kind of an extremely unique niche market. I'm like yeah. the only one in the country that has kind of this niche and this brand name uh -huh. of the tick terminator. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and actually, a couple of years ago, I had a guy uh, make a logo for me, which is just awesome. It's a tick in the shape of a hand grenade. I see that on your shirt there. That's cool. <laughs> it's awesome because yeah. I, I, I play off of that because it, it's a war out there, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I tell people, you got to know your battle. You know, uh, how do you go about the battle? You know, like any good military general. So uh, we have a lot of fun with that, you know? So we obviously have ticks in Texas. I don't, I don't know if there's anywhere in the U S where we don't have ticks. Um, but the worst that I've ever, I remember 
getting into ticks, I went with a, a neighbor and I was a young man, probably like 20. Um, and I was probably, you know, out drinking too much for my parents with my friends after graduating high school. And my dad was like, you're going to go with Keith and you're going to help him build a, a fence at their property in Arkansas. And okay. I mean, this was like in the middle of the woods in, in like the Ozarks. Okay. And I'm not kidding. That, that evening, I probably had 10 ticks on me that were like already like, you know, like starting to fill up with blood. It was disgusting. I've never I already I stuck to you. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, like it was terrible. And uh, and, and I, it's been it's not it's nothing to go to the deer lease and, and find one on you or see them on your clothes. You know, what I mean, I still run into them. Africa's pretty bad. They have little sand ticks, like tiny little or they call them pepper ticks. And they're okay. like the size of a you know, a piece of pepper and those things get in you and they just, Oh, they're hard to get out and they're so small. Um, and a lot of times they've already done their thing and you just see the bite then just like scratch it and itch it. And, and I'm talking like a month later, you're still like, man, that tick bite's still annoying. Um, but what are the most common species of ticks that we run into? First of all, like where you live in Wisconsin, it's probably totally different than, than the Lone Star tick, um, that we have down here or deer ticks. Yeah. Well, actually, I live right on the border of Wisconsin. I'm technically Michigan. Okay. It's so close to Wisconsin. I mean, we do, you know, major shopping and everything in, shop in Wisconsin, just north of Green Bay. But anyways, uh, uh, the three of the most popular ticks that we have in the country are uh, 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 American dog tick. Uh -huh. And then we call it the wood tick. And then also a uh, black legged tick we call the deer tick. Mm -hmm. And then the Lone Star tick. So we have the Lone Star ticks, too. So you have, you um, have all three. Yeah. I mean, actually there's about seven, 800 different species of ticks in the world, wow. but we only have like maybe 40 or 50 of them here in the States. Okay. Uh, but those are the most popular ones. You know, there's different ones too. They have out West that we do, you know, in, in, in your area, but the Lone Star tick. Yeah. Of course, named after your great state of Texas. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has a little white dot on its back. Now a male and a female are going to be a little bit different in coloration and design, but that Lone Star tick can, uh, I, I've heard numerous different things about it. It's also popular on the, you know, somewhat in our area, but on the Eastern shoreboard, like say in uh, uh, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, down into uh, Georgia and so on. Uh, they have the Lone Star ticks, man. They give them a kind of a strange thing. I mean, to your audience, they're going to uh, go, oh my gosh, about this, because they can sometimes get a, a allergic reaction when they eat red meat. Mm hmm and sometimes you may have heard that before where they yeah. can be allergic to red meat for the rest of their life. Yeah, and your audience is, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, it would be like the, the only way I could think that like having to be a vegetarian would make sense. Like, well, I literally can't <laughs> eat meat anymore. So what I know. a terrible existence. I would, yeah. I need to get someone that's actually had that happen to him on the show because I, I have heard that, but I've never run across anyone personally that's like oh yeah I, I got bit by a tick and i can't yeah. I no longer can eat deer venison or, or any red meat yeah sounds awful so, so what can happen sometimes is they may get bit by a tick and a lot of times you get bit by a tick and you don't even know it yeah. all right so they may have not known they got bit by a tick a couple of days later they're having a steak or you know venison or whatever and all of a sudden they start having a allergic allergic reaction to it mm -hmm. and they're thinking what brought this on you know and I mean, some people even go into anaphylactic shock on occasion. So it's really major. And it's, it's tough to figure that out. Maybe uh, then it goes away a little bit. And then next time they have meat, it happens again. And so then maybe they start putting the dots together. 
and understand that's what it is. And, and there's, it's, it's almost a lifetime thing. I have heard uh, somebody say that his wife had it. I was talking to a safety director, I think in Virginia, and his wife, he said, had it. And there was some relief that through acupuncture, they were starting to barely introduce some red meats back into her diet very slowly. So mm. that's the first I'd ever heard of that is that was even a few months ago. Mm. So I guess some, there's a sometimes old... vegetables give me uh, anaphylactic shock. So really? Uh, no, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a meat eater. I'm sure of that. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, you can put a, l- a few little green things on my plate and I might eat them. I might not just depends, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So that's one serious side effect that, you know, the Lone Star tick, uh, a bite from a Lone Star tick could result in. You guys have a lot more Lyme disease though, in your part of the world. I know we get, you can get Lyme disease in Texas. It's not as common as, uh, as where you live. What tick is responsible for that? Or do they all carry it? Um, no. Okay. Most of the ones that carry it are the black-legged ticks, nicknamed the deer tick. Okay. You, you have an eastern black-legged tick, and you have a western black-legged tick, you know, for California versus, you know, New England area. Uh, and I have heard on occasion, actually, uh, one of your uh, uh, friends got Lyme disease from a Lone Star tick, which is extremely rare, hmm. extremely rare, almost unheard of. I could hardly believe it when he told me that, but he was... And I believe them, you know, but it's one of those, wow, I can't hardly believe it. But anyways, the deer ticks, uh, uh, the, the worst place, place in the country for uh, Lyme disease is in the New England area, where you have Massachusetts, above Massachusetts, you have Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, then, then the, uh, New York is right next there. Underneath New York, New York, you got Pennsylvania, and then you got Connecticut and Rhode Island under New, uh, Massachusetts. You draw a circle around there, we'll call that New England area, and that is the worst place in the country for uh, Lyme disease. Hmm. Uh, technically in the mid seventies, there was a, a strange arthritic condition found amongst some adolescent kids and they couldn't quite figure out what to call it. It had been around for actually hundreds of years. And they finally gave it a name because of the name of the city. And the name of the city was Lyme, Connecticut. So that's huh. where they get the name Lyme disease. Oh, wow. So uh, anyways, yeah, I did not uh, know that. yeah, interesting things. But anyways, uh, uh, Lyme disease can just be devastating. I mean, it is just, I mean, uh, achy joints, flu-like symptoms. I mean, people have even died from it. Yeah. Uh, but that's the worst in the country. You know, during the last 25 years, they've they've seen a, a 250% increase. That, that's number one. Where I live is number two area, upper Midwest. Uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, down into Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, and, and Ohio, draw a circle there. And we're number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen a huge increase in the last 25 years too. So uh, those are the two where it's worst. And, and so why is that? Is that because of our population going up or is that because we now know what, how to identify it where previously we, we didn't, we, we knew that it existed, but we didn't know what the, how to label it or what caused it. Well, I think it's just become more prevalent for some reason. So the ticks uh, are actually more ticks are actually carrying Lime, you think? Right. Okay. I mean, I, I'm a Michigander all my life, okay? Born and raised Michigan and still here. But anyways, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I was born in Upper Michigan. If you're familiar with Michigan, you're two peninsulas and uh, the northern part is very rural. Uh, and I was I lived my uh, younger life, uh, K through eighth grade in Lower Michigan, all right? 
And we would go up to visit my grandparents that lived in Upper Michigan, and they had ticks up there. And that was kind of where my fascination started, you know. Uh, Mom would do a tick check on us every day. Uh, but we, ne- we never had any kind of problem with them. Mm-hmm. I don't My mom doesn't even remember that. You know, she's 90. So uh, uh, we, they were just a nuisance, kind of like mosquitoes at the time, you know. And we didn't have them back home down state Michigan where they are now. So they've just evolved, I guess, and, and uh, just uh, grown more. Uh, we live more rural nowadays. Uh, uh, they say uh, climate change. Well, I'm not a big climate guy, but uh, yeah. uh, they, they say that. And uh, uh, deer, well, deer are actually some of their hosts, a big hosts. Yeah, um, there's more deer now than there were 30 years ago. Yeah, so that is kind of adding to so it's kind of like I hate to say a kind of a perfect storm for the you know expansion of them. Yeah, uh, and they have expanded well. I mean, we're we're more uh, uh, mobile too. I mean, we travel a lot, so uh, uh, they uh, birds can sometimes you know uh, pick them up and then they 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 migrate other places and they drop them off. You know, so they and then same thing with animals, other animals, but uh, numerous different things like that that have led to them. Okay. So what about the, uh, the dog tick? What is, does it, does it also carry Lyme disease and where are you most likely to run into that? Species? No, I mean, uh, they, they say that the, the deer tick is the one that is uh, the most responsible for sure for Lyme disease. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the vast majority. Other, there's other disease. They have like babesiosis or leukiosis, tularemia, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, anaplasmosis is the one that has the, the disease for uh, the, the, the meat allergy. Uh-huh. but all the rest of them are, they're, they're very irritating. Yeah. They, and they can be, you know, uh, bad, but the Lyme is, is, is definitely the worst. I mean, I hope I never get Lyme disease, but I think I would rather have that than the red meat allergy. For sure. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I, if you knew anybody, <laughs> knock, on, Lyme, knock on wood, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, but yeah. there are, and, and I think on your website, you probably have a lot of information on this, but early detection, of you know potential a bite that you know could I, I guess if it looks red and irritated around the bite that's a pretty good indicator that hey there's something going on here you probably should seek Absolutely. medical advice immediately yep. i tell people uh uh daily tick checks are very important mm-hmm. very important i mean you guys are hunters of course and uh you guys are out in the middle of it we'll get onto some some prevention here in a minute but uh if let's say if you uh, kind of get back this since you started on, it. if you find a tick on you, what you want to do is uh, you want to take it off, kind of gently. Uh, a fine tip tweezers is a good thing, right at the base of your skin, and pull it straight up. You don't want to <laughs> you don't want to tick off a tick, okay? Make a mad uh, or her mad. It's more more a female than bite us. But uh, when you take them off, if you do kind of make a mad, they're more apt to puke the bad stuff into you. And the sooner you get a tick off, in most cases, the better also. If they're on you for a couple of days, they're more apt to, I'm going to be blunt, they're more apt to puke the bad stuff in you that you don't want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you get them off that day, they're a lot less likely to cause a problem for you. But if you do get bit uh, and you notice if you get bit, you want to make sure to monitor that bite. I mean, if it reacts bad anyway, not everything's going to give you bad diseases. But if it does act bad, if it swells up, you know, well, it gets really red. Another thing called a bullseye rash. If you get that on it, uh, you don't want to just say, oh, forget it. No, you want to take care of it. 
see some kind of physician that knows something about tick bites. Uh, and if it has those bullseye rash, achy joints, flu-like symptoms, uh, you may want to get on some kind of antibiotic because it's all about early detection and early treatment. That is the absolute number one key. You do not want to put it off and just tough it out because they never get better on their own. They only get worse. That is for sure. Okay. Well, Brian, let's do this. Let's work in a quick break here. We'll come back. I want to get into tick removal, some urban legend stuff uh, associated with uh, removing those parasites. Also the life cycle and biology of a tick, uh, stuff that I know nothing about, and then Promethean uh, as a repellent. So we'll do that next. That segment brought to you by Big and J, Whitetail Attractants. You can find their entire lineup over at BigandJ.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Well, the sheriff never came calling, and no judge ever gave a damn. Turns out no one gonna miss a dog and a coward man. So baby, drag him to the river where it runs wide and slow. Put a face down in the water and they let that fool go. They let that muddy waters carry her blues away. Hey guys, Cable here. And if you're listening to this show, you probably like ARs. And I'm not talking about antler restrictions. I'm talking about, you know, ARs, modern sporting rifles. And... Timber Creek Outdoors has the best way I've found to take your AR to the next level. It's the Enforcer Kit. It features high-end performance parts and jaw-dropping looks. It's perfect for sportsmen, competitors, firearms, enthusiasts, and people who trust their lives to their equipment, like you and I. When combined together, these parts improve usability, as well as ergonomics, big word there, and dependability of any small-framed modern sporting rifle. Timber Creek products are manufactured by Americans in the USA, God bless America. And they implement uncompromising quality control and offer a lifetime warranty. They've got a bunch of different color options, something for everybody. I've got a Hunter Green Enforcer Kit on my 224 Valkyrie. Absolutely love it. You will too. Check out the Enforcer Kit at TimberCreekOutdoorsInc.com. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, Look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. Everything's so great, can't get better. Makes me wanna cry, but I'll go out how at the moon tonight. Wolves is the name of that one there from Mandolin Orange, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Um, thanks for being a part of today's presentation. We're still visiting with the Tick Terminator, 
Brian Anderson. Lots more to get into on that front. But first, this segment brought to you by Vortex Wear. That's the uh, apparel line from the good folks over at Vortex Optics. From filling feeders to the gun range to the boat to the bar, Vortex Wear has something for everybody this spring. You can find their entire lineup of awesome apparel at vortexoptics.com and use that promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout uh, to get 20% off all Vortex Wear apparel. Okay, uh, well, Brian... We kind of left off with uh, once the damn tick is on you, now you got to remove it. Uh, and I believe, you know, there's a little bit of urban legend associated with that task. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't use tweezers. I probably just grab my, grab it with my fingernails and yank it off. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I've, I've all done the same thing. I mean, yeah. here's the thing to think about. Uh, I'll show you this. I always look for the, so is that, a, is that a, uh, Urban legend, like the tick's head stays in you if you rip it off like that. Because I've never seen the tick's head in me after I've pulled them off with the fingernails. It's not uncommon for them to leave a little bit of something in you. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, wash it off, soap and water, rubbing alcohol or whatever. And mm-hmm. your your body will naturally, you know, kind of get rid of it in a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, here's the thing. You can see it now for your audience. They can't see this, but I have a stuffed tick here. All yeah. right. You can probably see it here. You're the only person uh, I know with a stuffed tick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the tech terminator. Yeah. You know what I mean? So anyways, if you grab it by the body, which we have all done, I mean, just think about it. Somebody grabs you around the stomach, you know, you're more apt to, to puke, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you don't, you want to grab it right to very base. So if you grab it with your fingernails, you want to grab it at the very, very base of the skin yeah. and pull it up and try not to grab it by the body because it's more apt to puke in you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the way you take it off can even help too. And the sooner you take it off can definitely help. What so, a- what about this? And this might just be one of those things people, it's like uh, an old wives' tale. Do people actually burn these things off, like use a light, like a match or something. We've all heard that. Yeah, I does know the old wives. Does that make them mad enough to, to, to I guess, stop? Bite? What are they actively biting you? Bury their, their head in you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had one on my back probably 20 years ago. Uh, I didn't realize what it was. I literally thought it was a, a sliver in my back. Uh-huh. You know, it's right back here where you can hardly touch it. So I asked my wife, I said, honey, you're going to dig the sliver out of my back. I can't get it. And she she just is petrified of ticks, you know. And uh, she says, honey, it's not a sliver. It's a tick. I can see the legs coming out of it. It had buried itself right into my skin. I couldn't pull it out. The doctor, I finally had a doctor take it out because I want to have it taken out the proper way. And he used a fine tip tweezer. I thought, oh, gosh, I could have done that. Yeah. But at that time, that was way before I know what I know now, you know. But uh, that that was a, a good lesson, even for right there. But I never so, had a problem with it since. Yeah. But so so burning them though, that's not really a thing. Yeah, that's one of the old wives' tales. That's that's hard to get them to back out. Some people tried to put Vaseline on them, or uh, rubbing alcohol, or fingernail polish, or mm-hmm. uh, the best way is a is a fine tip tweezers. Pull them out. Okay. Yeah. Um. So as far as preventing getting bitten by these things and yeah i mean you're gonna always run into them uh that's just the bottom line what what are the best ways like is deet just the the end all be all um you know we all i I carry i carry it around in my truck when the kids are out uh shed hunting at the deer lease i typically spray around their legs and stuff um deet deet is not bad uh permethrin is the absolute best thing the best deterrent for ticks bar none it's not even close uh, but DEET is pretty good. 
because of the fact, let me explain how they work, okay? Because mm -hmm. uh, DEET works good for mosquitoes and little bugs like that too. Right. The way DEET works was created about 1945 for the military. And the way DEET works is the, the scent, the aroma, the smell of it. When a mosquito, uh, for example, comes in contact with that smell, they, it tells their little antennas on their head that, hey, there's no blood there. So then they fly away. All right. So it's kind of a scent type of, of thing. And for hunters, you know, <laughs> I'm a whitetail hunter too myself. And the last thing I want is any scent that's going to give me away. Right. So I sprayed my hunting clothes in November because in November, we don't know if it's going to be 50 degrees or 10 below, you know, where I hunt. But anyways, uh, the difference between uh, DEET and permethrin is permethrin is called a if, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but it's called a contact repellent. Mm -hmm. You literally spray it on your clothes, and when it dries, it's odorless. So a tick or a mosquito does not notice it. And what it can do is, is it affects their nervous system. Let's say uh, you, know, you spray your pants and your shoes, and I, I, I spray everything. But anyways, as a tick is crawling up your pants, every step they take, it feels like an electric grid to them. It drives their nervous system nuts. So if they're on you for about a minute or longer, eventually it will do them and eventually it'll probably kill them. Nothing else huh. does that. It doesn't bother us at all. It, yeah. it, you know, they have a whole different setup that they have. So they're crawling up and I've literally watched ticks fall off me before. Uh, so it, it's a wonderful thing. And the coolest, the, the great thing about permethrin is that once you spray it on, it sticks to the fabric and uh, it's good for the hunting season. You know, you oh. don't have to reapply it every day. It's wonderful. So little things like so that permethrin, permethrin uh -huh. is wonderful. Like when you spray DEET on your skin, uh, it feels like you've got this. I'm not going to lie. It feels like you just sprayed something toxic on your skin. I mean, it kind of burns a little bit. Uh, it can sometimes. Does, does permethrin do that as well? You don't put permethrin on your skin. Okay. Just yeah, on your clothes. It's just, okay. it's for clothes, gear, you know, tents, you know, anything a hunter would have it, you know, uh, anything like that. See, uh, because it, down here, we just don't, I've never gone through those precautions because the, the ticks just, to be honest with you, they're not as bad. It doesn't sound like, I mean, uh, I do, I, I check the kids every day after, a, you know, springtime uh, trip to Phillip feeders, the deer lease, and inevitably one of them will have a tick on them, but yeah. it's, I don't, it's not like um, you're, you're, you're pulling off six of them or finding that many on you, you know? Um, so yeah. I go, you know, we just use deep, but I will look into uh permethrin because that would, that would be uh, obviously a better alternative, especially for, for the hunting season itself. Absolutely. Yeah. Because your hunting season, I know you have different things. I mean, like for example, Turkey season coming up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't think of, uh, of a more uh, category of hunter than a Turkey hunter for needing permethrin. <laughs> because right. they are sitting in tick habitat, you know, and yeah. uh, and the springtime of the year is probably one of the worst times for ticks out there because uh, they have been kind of, in a sense, hibernating for the winter. And they're coming out. I mean, they're like a hungry bear in the spring. I mean, they want to eat. And ticks, our ticks that you're going to have in your area, in our area, typically only eat one time a year. Okay. Huh. So, so uh, I should briefly I tell you. That. Yeah, let me tell you the, the, the life cycle of a tick. It's kind of interesting. A female gives birth to about 1,000 to 5,000 eggs at a time, usually in about in the middle of the summer, all right? And they come out in the shape of an egg. 
After a couple of weeks, they hatch out of that egg and they're like any newborn baby. They're looking for something to eat. They want to get something. So depending on the part of the country that they're in, in my part of the country and some of your part of the country, uh, since they're on the ground, they're going to get on a white footed mouse. OK. And sometimes other in the deep south, they may get on a skink like a little uh, a lizard type of uh, right. thing. And since it's close to the ground where they ground where they are and they start sucking the blood out of that. Now, the germs or the pathogens that they get from that first host is what actually gives them Lyme or whatever tick-borne disease they get. They're not born with it. They get it from their first host, okay? So they feed on that for a couple days, and then they jump off and they do whatever ticks do, which ain't a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of hang around, and then they morph and molt into the next series that fall, that winter, and come out the next spring. Uh, they grew two more legs that winter because they're born with six. They come out with eight the next spring. So they're part of the arachnid family. They're actually part of the spider family. And the next spring, they come out the size of a poppy seed. And you know how small that is. Have you ever seen a poppy yeah. seed bagler? I mean, so they can be on your shoelaces and you can't even see them. All right. And they can be just as lethal as a full blown adult as a tiny little uh, poppy seed uh, size tick like that. So that's why prevention is so critical, I tell people. So they could feed on maybe us or some little animal and for a couple of days and they go off and do whatever ticks do. They said eight for the year. And then they molt the next series that fall, that winter, come out the next spring as an adult, look for something bigger. It may be a coyote or a, a bear or a lot of times it's a deer and uh, or us. Uh, and then they mate on that, let's say on that deer after they eat, then they mate. And then uh, ride that deer for the winter. Next spring, they come out. The male falls off. He dies. Female comes off. And uh, she gives birth to anywhere between 1,000 and 5,000. That's enough to kill anybody. <laughs> so she dies after that. So it's about a three-year life cycle is typically huh. uh, how a lot of our ticks in the country work. And they'll stay on that deer for the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, now, you know, in Africa, a lot of the planes game that we shoot, they're covered in, in ticks, you know? Yeah. Um, and they, it looks, yeah, I mean, it looks like they've been on there for a long time. They're real comfortable. Yeah. So that would make sense that they're just, they're, they're on there, uh, in, in perpetuity until it's, I guess, time to die or mate. Now we do have some of those in the United States here too. They're called winter ticks, huh. but they're mostly just on animals. They don't affect humans, which is great. Uh, now up in, uh, if you have listeners, let's say up in, uh, uh, New England area, let's say Vermont, New England, or, or, or New Hampshire, Vermont, a main area, the moose up there are really being decimated by the winter ticks. Hmm. All right. And these ticks get on them and they spend their whole life on one host, where the other ones I just described have one host per year if they yeah. can find it. So they will up, up there, they will get on there. And they're in higher vegetation where, where our ticks are going to be in low vegetation, you know, knees, you know, and, and below on, on grass and the brush. They don't fly or jump and, or, you know, drop out of trees. They're going to get on us, you know, from low vegetation. But these ticks up there will get on moose. And uh, uh, if you look this up here, you're going to see where uh, they literally have thousands of them, just like what you're describing, what you see in Africa. Yeah. All right. And what happens to these big moose is uh, they don't groom themselves, you know, like a cat does, and they're not able to. So they will rub themselves up against trees to try to get these ticks off. And in the process, uh, they're losing some of their fur that help keeps them warm. 
So they're down to their white fur. They call them ghost moose sometimes. Like they look ghostly because they look white. And it's really, they're, they're losing lots of their calves, the moose calves up there, because they can't handle it. And then they are dying because they get so many ticks on them, which is really a shame. It's really become a problem up there. I, I had no idea. No idea. God, yeah, I really don't like ticks. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> nobody does, except for their natural enemies. You yeah. know. Wow. Um, there is there is this cool bird though in Africa. They call the tick bird, and uh, it just it lands on the you know like on a Cape buffalo. Yeah. Uh, they have these these uh, symbiotic relationships with a lot of these bigger uh, megafauna species, and they just they they hang out on them and just pick the ticks off of them. Yeah, and that's what they. We, do we have any animal like that in North America? I have not seen that. No, I, I've we seen should. some videos of what you're talking about, uh, yeah. where these birds will eat off, uh, let's say, kangaroos, which would be mm. Australia probably. Uh, but we yeah, I haven't seen eight. I'm usually against uh, invasive species importation, but I don't. You know, a couple tick birds might uh, be a good idea. <laughs> that would be a good idea. Yeah, I mean, because they would have to land on, let's say, deer and, and those small uh, bugs. I mean. Depending on what kind of animal they would be on, yeah. it's hard to even see the ticks because they're under, they're right on the skin by you know, and the fur hides them up. But it's... Um, well, if you want to give us your uh, your website, I know there's more uh, more information on there. We're out about uh, about out of time for today, but where can folks find you? The Tick Terminator. A lot of good information on there. Here's something else to keep in mind too. If, if for somebody who does not use permethrin, uh, and they're out, and let's say they get some ticks on them. Uh, they say, oh, my gosh, I should have used permethrin, but they didn't. What you want to do with your clothes is you do when you get home is you want to put them. Now, this is kind of weird. You want to put them in the dryer first on high for about 15 minutes. I don't know if you saw that on my website, but I talk about that uh, because the dry heat is going to dry up the ticks and it'll kill them. But then put them in a the wash. You want to put them in the dryer first. Okay. Not in a washer first, because they can live through the wash, but they can't live through that that dry heat of the dryer. Interesting. Free little tip there. Yeah. Well, lots of cool information, I'm sure. Yep. Well, Brian, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for having me, Cable. It was a blast. I love talking about ticks. I hate them, too. So there you have it, the most uh, in-depth tick conversation we've certainly ever had on this show. Uh, fascinating stuff, especially just about the uh, the biology of, of ticks, stuff that I had. No, the fact that they only eat once a year, I have no idea. Did not know that. Uh, interesting stuff with Brian Anderson there. That segment brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company, America's coffee company, veteran-owned and operated, of course. They've got a roast for you, whatever you fancy, light, medium, dark, everything in between. Uh, now with K-Cups and caffeinated uh, energy drinks as well. You can find it all uh, along with great uh, gear and apparel right there at uh, blackriflecoffee.com. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Thanks to both of our guests, Colonel Sean Daniel, uh, the Tick Terminator, Brian Anderson. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Every time I'm away from you, Feels like a sin Till I pass the Rio Or drive around The Big Bend Seagulls are high in the sky Every
of you, you're mine. I look at my footprints in the sand next to the real.